year in Advent, we are looking at these promises in Isaiah chapter 6 that God has kept for us in that event. Now, I don't know when that happened. You know, or, well, I know that it happened you know, in the first century. I don't know what time of year it happened. And I'm pretty sure that this picture is totally inaccurate. It's one of the reasons I chose it. It's one of the things that our, our uh, fellowship of churches is really strong on, is pointing out that Christmas is probably not the day of Jesus' birth. And I know for a fact that the three kings didn't go to the stable either with their gifts. They didn't show up in a barn. You know, no wrong That happened years later. They were in a house by then. He was a toddler by the time that the king showed up. But I know that it happened. And it's the most amazing thing. And it needs to be rejoiced in and celebrated over. And the whole world, the whole world that's got any influence by Christ at all, pauses at this time in December to think about the wonder that our mighty God came among us. That He became weak so that we could be strong. That He became mortal. That we might become immortal. That He came. He was born. He was given to us. Just as God promised He would. This is just one of the many promises that are all over the Old Testament where God says, this is what I'm going to do for you. And we've been looking at those four names at the end of that passage that we read earlier in the worship service. Today we look at the third. Everlasting Father. This gift was given to a people who walked in darkness. And this this particular name challenges a particular kind of darkness. Earth holds no treasures but perish with using however precious they be. Remember that song? That's actually a word from the Scriptures. Earth holds no treasures, but perish with using, meaning everything wears out. Everything does. And it doesn't matter how much you love a thing, you're not going to get to keep it. Every morning I get up and, you know, the first thing I do is feed the cats so they'll quit bothering me. And the next thing that I do is I prick my finger so I can get a little bit of blood. Because this thing is wearing out. And I need to know how badly it's out of whack. I didn't used to do that. That's new for me this last couple of years. Uh, but I'm, I'm do it every day. Anybody else feel that? Or am I lonely in that? Yeah, I kind of figured I'd get a giggle there. Everything wears out here, doesn't it? If I can, without crying, I want to take you back into my childhood to one of my most cherished memories. Um, This is something my dad did for me every night before bed for a season of my life. Every night. Every night. And he did this for me. Um, my older siblings can't watch this sermon. They're, I'm never going to let them watch it because they, he didn't do that for them. <laughs> but he did it for me. <laughs> I was the fourth kid, and I think by the time I came along, he kind of woke up to his own mortality a bit and the fact that they're getting older, and he had kind of missed this. So every night, I would crawl into that big, huge bed, probably queen size, but it seemed enormous with the, with the big checkerboard headboard. And I would lean up against the pillows 
and my dad's big chest and listen to his baritone voice as he would read to me. Oh. Anybody else remember that cover to that book? <laughs> that was a cherished thing. The wonder of Lucy meeting the fawn and of Edmund being a jerk and, and Peter and Susan and, and the valor and the wonder of the war against the white witch. Do you remember it? I can remember it like it was yesterday, even though I couldn't have been more than four. Hearing that raspy voice become the lion. And then the great warrior who fought evil and danger. We went into that next. We made it as far as here. That's as far as we got. I remember how I wept when Reepicheep went over the edge into the other country. And my, my dad saw that I was so sad because Reepicheep throughout that thing was my favorite. The little mouse warrior. The little tiny chihuahua of a critter who thought he was as big as everybody else. you know. But my dad made him so alive to me and he was just a cherished friend and he died. And I remember being so sad. But he was like, no, he's gone to Aslan's country. I can remember specifically that conversation in his bed under the covers as my dad shared with me the wonder of heaven I think probably for the first time in my life that this is not a forever thing. It's okay. And he's gone to be with a great friend and that is as far as we got. We might have started the silver chair, but I can't remember. When I turned 16 years old, I started reading these books again and I got as far as there and I realized, no, I can't keep going until I have children of my own. Until I'm a daddy, I can't read these books. In 2012, I finally read The Last Battle. Totally worth it. If you have not read these, what's wrong with you? They are amazing and so rich in the beauty of God. But this is a treasure in my life that no one can take away from me because that is the power of a father. I know that not everybody has a good father, and my father wasn't a good father in every way. You know, he had mental illness and alcoholism and violence, and there was a lot about him that was dreadful. And yet, as dreadful and as awful as he was, he was amazing and a cherished thing for me. And even a bad father, something in our hearts echoes with, I know that that's not what you're supposed to be because we all know what a father should be, don't we? Even if your father was a mess, there's something that echoes with the word father that is rich and powerful because they came before us and they brought us into the world and they bring us up and they are worth so much. One of the most cherished treasures that this world has is being thrown into the air and having no fear because you know those big hands will catch you. They're giants to us, aren't they? You know, they're always so big. When you, I, I can remember you know, you know, the, coming up to their knee, and, and they're just, they never do lose that giganticness. I don't know, I lost mine when I was nine, and so maybe they do. I don't, I don't know that. But I tell you what, I can, this is also earliest memory of my dad as he cast faith and showed me what faith looked like. Because I can remember him sitting in church with that Bible in between his knees. That's always how he prayed. He held the Bible 
hear and he would pray with his head bowed low. My dad was a pretty proud man. Very smart man. So seeing him lower his head in humility, I knew that whatever he was dealing with was great. Because if that would bring him low, it had to be something amazing. Especially in my eyes. Fathers are places of safety. I don't have a picture for this one. I've got an entire sermon based on this one and I won't go into it now, but there was a time in my life when I was stung by dozens of bees on a camping trip during a a canoe trip. And my brother got me away from the bees. And the place that I knew that I was safe, when I finally knew I was safe, was when I was in the canoe with my dad and my dad's big heavy coat was wrapped around my shoulders. Then I knew I was okay. Until then, I just knew pain and terror But when I got to my dad, I knew everything was going to be okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Fathers as places of safety and protection, making it okay. Because a dad is the one who is supposed to fight for you, right? I mean, when no one else can. It's why the little kids in the playground says, my dad can take your dad. It's because they are quite certain that my dad is bigger than anything. He is my place of safety and protection and I am okay because I've got a knight who will fight for me except when I need a knight. (laughs) You ever been there? Because dad also does that, doesn't he? Sometimes you wish you could be protected from him. I tell you what, there is no worse sentence on planet earth than you wait till your father gets home. You know what I mean? You know, I made the mistake one time in church I mean, the mom took me out to spank me and she used her high heel shoe, you know, the, the soft part, you know, but it was all flexy, didn't hurt at all. And I laughed and she said, oh yeah, <laughs> well, I'll just talk to your dad then. And I was like, I mean, ah! <laughs> uh, dads are the ones who show you how things work, right? I have never done that with any of my kids. <laughs> I don't know that they know what oil in a car is, but but dads are the ones who show you. They, they, they show you how life is supposed to... Oh, I did do it, apparently, at some point. My daughter's going, wait a minute! And they're also the ones who sit there with you. Ooh. <laughs> you know, on the edge of death itself, they will sit there with you. You know, I have this theory that that human beings are meant to live 500 years and then they teach teenagers to drive. Just the stress of it is very, you know, and they they're the ones who celebrate your victories. Didn't they do that for you? To stand beside you and cheer you on until you pass the finish line and say, "Good job." And sometimes when you're on the way to the finish line, they're standing there going, what's wrong with you? Get up, get going. But when you cross, they're like, yes! I knew you could do it. I believed in you. I always will. And they let you break their hearts. This is the treasure that is a father. And this is the wonder of God's gift to us. The wonder of God's promise is I am sending one to you who will be to you Father, 
who will stand with you that way into whose arms you can always run. No matter what a disaster you have made of things, no matter what messed up choices you've made, you can turn to Him and say, Daddy, I need you. Please help me. And He is there. Always. He's the one who always lifts you up and spins you around, lifts you into the joy and the wonder of it all, right? Always there. Always at your side. Always for you. That's a daddy. Except that earth holds no treasures. This is the great pain that drove me into being compassionate for others and lifted me into ministry in the first place. It was the death of a, of a broken, wonderful, horrible man that God used most especially to put this burden of caring about the hurting on me. Because I know what it is to hurt. I know how the Brazel family feels as these little ones huddle on daddy's grave. Earth holds no treasures but perish with using. And it doesn't happen just to kids either. It doesn't matter how old we get. And in fact, the older we get, the more we encounter the mortality of earth. The more we see as friends pass as, as things wear out and break, as systems we have cherished fall apart and become strange, as cultural values to which we have committed ourselves become passe and cultures move on without us, as our own bodies become weak and frail and problematic, earth holds no treasures but perish with using. What on earth are we to do with that? You know, even if God could bring to us a great life, which He does, and even if we could live for 70 years in a great life with great decisions and, and filled with joy and wonder, what is that? It's a breath. It's a moment. It's a vapor in the morning. It's a flower in the field that blooms and fades. The wind passes over it and remembers its place no more. But, but, there are two words in the promise that He gave us. Father, yes. But what kind of daddy? An everlasting father. One that nothing can take away. One that doesn't perish with using. One that doesn't wear out. 
the promise is that he will sit on David's throne from this time forth and forevermore. How can he possibly do that? He'd have to do something about the death problem, wouldn't he? He has to do something about the wear out problem. Somehow this father, if he's going to be all those good things and just go away, then it would almost be better if he didn't come. Because the pain of it is so wretched. To love and to lose means to grieve. And to grieve is awful. It hurts so bad. But he is not one who comes and then leaves. He comes and dies and rises again. He died to destroy death. And he left it in the grave. And he got out of it. And so as we sit here in this broken world where everything else falls apart, we have Him. The one who won't wear out. The one who outlives us and stays with us. And when we hurt because other things fall apart, He is always there. And when we are afraid and when we are hurting, we run to Him like the kid into the arms of His dad. And He is able to hold us because He is still alive. He's the dream who never dies. That we can never lose because He has already faced death for us and He has overcome. And so He promises, Behold, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Who can promise that? Because everyone is not there always. I want to be able to promise my kids, I will never leave you. But that's not true, is it? He told the truth. He will never leave them. So when I come to die, I can do so knowing that that's going to be okay. He will still be here to care for them. So I can face death unafraid. And I also can do so because He is going to prepare a place for us. That that this is not all just meaningless. That I'm not going to die and stay dead. The everlasting Father will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. So, So He will take me to Himself. That where He is, I can be too. So He's taking care of it. This is what it means to be everlasting Father. He is Father who never wears out. And hear this. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. Because we live in this world where things perish with using and some of the things are people. Some of the things are people that we love. Church, hear the gospel. The everlasting Father has come. Jesus Christ is the one who defeats death for you to bring with Him those who fall asleep. So they're never really gone. They're held for us, waiting for us. So we can face it all knowing it's going to be okay. How do I know? Like frightened children who run to their daddies. That's how we know. 
Because when you get to your dad and he picks you up and he holds you when you're little and you're small and you're afraid, when the boogeyman comes, when the danger is all around, when the closet door opens in the middle of the night and you're terrified and you scream and he comes, isn't it going to be okay the moment he's there? Because what monster would dare? When he's there, what monster would dare show its teeth? They're afraid of him. So it is with your everlasting Father. Even death itself is afraid of Him. He has come. The zeal of the Lord of hosts has done this. Church, the one who defeats death for us has come. And death is beaten He is still with us now while we live in this earth filled with curse and trouble. But He is coming back. And when He does, it's all done. And because He lasts forever, so will we. Forever. Forever. Everlasting to everlasting with our Daddy. As one who lost his father at a very young age, but lost him as Christian, I have lived with the hope that the everlasting father will bring him back ever since. God's promises are true. Not one of them has ever failed. So when he says everlasting father, you can count on it. Everlasting. And what hope does that stir in you? As you head into this Christmas season, and I know that for some who have heard this sermon, it's not an easy one. It's not. It's honestly why it's so hard for me to preach. Because I, I hurt so badly with the weight of how badly we are all hurting this year. But this is our hope. That this year, and the pains that we took, and the pains that we are taking and that we are undergoing and walking through. We have an everlasting Father who shares in them and walks with us. If you this this year, if you this day, you're hurting and you need the prayers of the church, let us know. For some of you, we already know. We have not forgotten. We are praying for you. But if you want to remind us, do it anyway. And it may be that you came into this building and there's something going on in your life that's really heavy. It's got nothing to do with what I talked about. But you need to bring it to God. We'll hear it. We'll love you. Let us minister to you. And if you aren't walking yet with the everlasting Father, what are you waiting for? Come with us. Follow Him. He's amazing. If this morning you're subject to the invitation to God, why don't you come right now while we stand and sing?